Christian Revelations is a completely free podcast for the new Christian looking to learn more about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and how to implement His teachings in our lives and the world today. And for the older Christian looking to dig deeper into the Word of God, edification, and the fellowship of the body of Christ. And now our host, Pastor Robert. pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this beautiful day, this beautiful evening, and the chance to come into your house and worship you. I thank you for your presence here with us tonight, Lord. I thank you for your presence everywhere we go. As long as we pay attention and see you, our days are amazing. You fill our lives with such a joy that many won't get to feel but we hope to bring them to you, Lord. Thank you for your Son and the gift of salvation so that we may live eternally with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This evening we will be reading 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. But first, in both the Old and New Testaments, the word translated test means to prove by trial. When God tests us, His purpose is to prove that our faith is real. Not that God needs the proof that our faith is real, because He already knows. He's helping us prove to ourself that our faith is real, helping us understand that these trials keep us strong. And as long as we look towards Him, we will overcome anything with faith. The testing or trials we undergo come in various ways. Becoming a Christian will often require us to move out of our comfort zone and into the unknown. Perseverance in testing results in a spiritual maturity and completeness. That is why James wrote in James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4, my brethren, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The testing of faith can come in small ways. It can come in big ways. It can come in little daily irritations. They may also be severe afflictions. They can be attacks from Satan, not unlike the trials of Job. Whatever the source of the testing, it is to our benefit to undergo these trials that God allows in our life, which brings us to our reading, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure, By the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it may depart me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In these verses, 
Paul talks about the method that God uses to humble him, to prevent his being lifted up above measure on account of the visions and the revelations that he had. We're not told what exactly this thorn is. It could have been trouble. It could have been temptations, affliction. Some people believe that he was suffered from migraines and vision problems from meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus. Whatever it was, Paul was not overly happy to have to deal with it. If God loves us like we believe he does, he will keep us from being exalted. He will put us in positions to help us understand that we should not have so much pride in ourselves when everything comes from Him. It is not of us, it is of Him. And spiritual burdens are often a very good cure for spiritual pride. The thorn in the flesh is said to be a messenger of Satan sent by the evil one. But God designed it and overruled it for good. Prayers are the ointment for every wound. They are the remedy for every affliction. When we are afflicted with thorns, we should give ourselves to the power of prayer. If we don't get an answer to the first prayer or the second prayer, we are to continue praying. Troubles are sent to teach us to pray and are continued to teach us to continue a life of prayer. We are created to be in communion with God and prayer is a perfect way of communing with God. God accepts the prayers of faith. Sometimes He grants them in wrath and sometimes He denies them in love. When God does not take away our troubles or temptations, we have no reason to complain because His grace is enough for us. Grace signifies the goodwill of God towards us, that it is enough to enlighten and rejuvenate us. It is sufficient to strengthen and comfort us in all our afflictions and distresses. His grace is manifested and magnified in us. When we are weak in ourselves, we are strong in the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we feel that we are weak in ourselves, we must turn to Him. We must receive the strength from Him and enjoy God's freely given divine strength and grace. So what is God's grace? God's grace is a word which comes from the Greek New Testament word charis, and it means God's unmerited favor. It is kindness from God that we do not deserve. There is nothing we can do to earn this favor, and there is nothing we could ever do to earn it. It is a gift from God. Grace is divine assistance given to us for our rebirth 
and sanctification, a virtue coming from God, a state of sanctification enjoyed through divine favor. The Webster's New World Dictionary gives this theological definition of grace, the unmerited love and favor of God toward human beings, divine influence acting in a person to make the person pure and morally strong, the condition of a person brought to God's favor through this influence, a special virtue, gift, or help given to a person by God. God's grace is, like the song says, amazing. Not only does it provide for our salvation, it enables us to live an abundant life in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. God's grace is available to us at all times for every need that we have and every problem that we face. God's grace allows us to pursue good, good works. His grace enables us to be all that God intends us to be. And His grace is truly amazing. Knowing that, we can see God's answer to Paul in our reading is greater than taking away the thorn in his flesh. My grace is sufficient. As Christians, we are not exempt from the troubles of life. But like everyone else, or like every, unlike everyone else, we have a God that will never leave us and never forsake us. A God who will make grace abound toward us in every situation that we face in life. In Christianity, God's grace and God's mercy are often confused with each other. Although... They are similar expressions of His favor. They are different. When we experience God's grace, we receive a favor that we do not deserve. When we receive God's mercy, we are spared punishment that we do deserve. Justice is getting what we deserve. Mercy is, getting, is not getting what we deserve. And grace is getting what we don't deserve. Anybody who is a Christian or who has read the Bible in their lifetime knows that it is a myth to believe that life's challenges drop to a minimum when we become Christians. That's because problems, trials, and challenges will still be there and they will be just as overwhelming. Financial problems, relationship problems, struggling with sin, Sickness, temptation, addiction, and unforeseen events will still come our way. And to think that we can do it all on our own this time around, once again, we will be sorely mistaken. We face trials that could possibly overtake us if it were not for God at our side. But the beauty behind all this is that He will never leave us or forsake us. He is always there to overcome for us. In John 16.33, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. 
in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We will have overwhelming problems in our lives to remind us that it is by His overwhelming grace and love that we make it through the storms in life. Not by our own works and definitely not by our own strength. No temptation or challenge or circumstance will overtake us that is not common to man. For this reason and no other, God is faithful. He carries our burdens and provides us a way to escape. In 1 Corinthians 10.13 we read, No temptation can overtake can overtake us and overtake you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God's will always provides us a way. Sometimes the storms in life are so powerful that we don't see the way. But God will always provide a way. When we are in the midst of a storm, we must remember that you cannot direct the wind, but you can adjust your sails. Little adjustments in life can create overwhelming and even unimaginable change. My parents own a travel trailer that we used to take across the country. And back in my heathen days, <laughs> we, were, we were in a trailer park at uh, Florida, and a hurricane was coming. And we got a warning that we were we'd batting down the hatches, stay in the trailer because a hurricane was on its way. It would be there tomorrow. Um, one thing I've always been, if you can believe this, is brilliant. And in an act of brilliance, I took my mother outside and said, my sister-in-law and her daughter, I cannot stay in the trailer with them for a week. I can outrun it. And she said, outrun what? And I said, the storm. I can outrun the storm. Long story short, we spent the next day and a half watching our rearview mirror as a hurricane chased us down the Gulf Coast. And we made it. I tell you this because there are thorns in our flesh and storms in our lives and worries and concerns and temptations. And our fears are not so mighty that we cannot survive them with God at our side. He always provides an escape. Now do I think that he told me a heathen, mortal, sinner, to outrun one of his storms? I don't think he did. But I saw a chance to escape, and I took it. When we face storms in our life, when we have to deal with the thorns in flesh, we must remember what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Paul had a thorn that he could not get rid of. And so do each of us. We have a chronic illness, a 
physical limitation and addiction, insecurities, anxiety, depression, and the list on and on. What all thorns have in common is that they threaten to displace Christ as Lord and Savior in our lives. They try to overwhelm us with their bigness and their scare tactics and sometimes their appeal. When our thorns in life begin acting up at a messenger of Satan level, instead of taking it away in His good and in His word, God reminds us of a few things, a few truths to comfort us, to strengthen us, and convict us regardless of what our particular thorn may be. We are reminded to remember how small we are. We can all agree that Job was very familiar with affliction. For a while there, he had many thorns that he had to deal with. In his suffering, he was tempted to despair, to doubt, and even to take his own life. What God says when he finally answers him is pretty powerful. Job 38.4 Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. He spends the next four chapters reminding Job of how big he is. He works to bring about repentance and a better perspective in Job. As big as our afflictions and temptations can feel, it's important to remember nothing, that it's nothing compared to what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ endured to save us. Thorns, in the literal sense, are small. But when they are the focal point of our perspective, Rather than Jesus, they cast a very big shadow. It's really a comfort to remember that it is God who is big, not our suffering. We are actually very small, just pieces of His vast, unsearchable will. But we can rest knowing that His will is directed for good for us, including afflictions and weaknesses for those who love Him and are called according to His will. We must remember that we are loved. A great passage of Scripture is Samuel chapter 9. Out of his love for Jonathan, David gives Jonathan's son Mephibosheth a lifelong invitation to dine at the king's table and restore his inheritance. Mephibosheth was crippled in his feet, a condition that I'm sure was very painful. And it brought him a lot of shame. So much shame and so much pain that this was his response to David's offer. 2 Samuel 9, 8, Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? This is a beautiful picture of the gospel. A relent, as relentless as a thorn is in our flesh, God's love is even more relentless. Over and over, He invites us to dine 
at the Lamb's Supper with Him for eternity, even though we feel like dead dogs in our sin and suffering. He offers us to share in Jesus' inheritance rather than the inheritance our crippled bodies and minds deserve. Our perfect Lord sees our every defect and every weakness, yet He still wants us to spend eternity with Him. We should always remember that we are covered. If God were in the mafia, He'd say, I got you covered. (laughs) Though Paul never tells us the nature of his thorn, he tells us the Lord's answer to it. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That is incredible. It's it's all covered right there. The Lord's grace is a sufficient answer to any weakness, any hardship, and any trouble we may experience in our life. Not only that, but he says his power is perfected in it. So what was Paul's response? He said, therefore, most gladly I will rather boast in my affirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He boasted in and was content with God's grace and its ability to cover his shortcomings and circumstances. In living with our thorns, boasting and contentedness are not always, almost never, our response. It's much more tempting to give in to despair and give up or resort to begging for its removal. But think about the kind of fruit that could be produced in our life instead of our, instead our response was to praise God when we have these thorns because they are evidence of His power and being perfected in and through us. Whatever our thorns in the flesh may be, the Lord has determined to use them for good. But that requires us to submit to His all-sufficient grace. We, We have to forsake the temptation that comes with the thorns. Whether it's self-pity, anger, entitlement, or giving into temptation itself, we have to persevere in nailing them to Jesus' cross. And who better to trust with our thorns than Jesus? In His love for us, He wore a whole crown full of them. The truth is, we need to trust God. The secret lies in putting this truth into practice. By making it such a dominant theme in our life, we make it very evident that we can take away every sorrow, every problem. We can give Him every prayer with unshakable conviction. And God is totally spotless and trustworthy. Proverbs 3, 5-6 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. That's where we mess up. We want, to, we, we want to trust anything and everything rather than the Lord. We'll trust in our own abilities. We'll trust in our boss's judgment, our money, our doctor, and even an airplane pilot. But the Lord, that's just too much to ask. It's easy to trust in things we can see. Sure, we believe in God, but to allow Him to run our lives, that's asking too much. The bottom line is that our wants may not agree with God's wants for us. After all, it's our life, isn't it? Shouldn't we have say over it? Shouldn't we be in control? We should call the shots, right? God gave us free will, right? Advertising and peer pressure tell us it's important for us to control everything. A high-paying career, a head-turning car, a drop-dead gorgeous home, and a spouse who will make everybody jealous. This is what we are told to trust in. If we fall for the world's idea of what matters, we get trapped in what's called the loop of next time. The new car the relationship, the promotion, or whatever didn't bring us the happiness we expected, we keep searching, thinking, maybe next time. But it's a loop that's always the same because we are created for something bigger and something better, and deep down, we know it. When we finally reach that place where our head agrees with our hearts, we are still hesitant. It's Scary. Trusting in God can require that we abandon everything we've ever believed about what brings happiness and fulfillment. It requires that we accept the truth that God knows what's best for us. But how do we make that leap from knowing to doing? How do we trust God instead of the world and ourselves. The secret lives inside of us. The Holy Spirit. Not only will He convict us of the rightness of trusting in God, but He will also help us do it. It's just too tough to do on our own. John 14, 26 through 27 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Because the Holy Spirit knows us better than we know ourselves, He'll give us exactly what we need to make this change. He's infinitely patient, so he'll let us test this secret out. He'll let us test the secret of trusting in God. And he'll let us do it in little baby steps. And he'll catch us if we fall. And he will 
rejoice with us when we succeed. Trusting in the Lord is a lifelong challenge. We will never finally arrive except for when we get to heaven. Each new crisis calls for new commitment. The good news is that the more often we see God's loving hands at work in our life, the easier this trusting becomes. When we trust the Lord, we'll feel as if the weight of the world has been lifted off of our shoulders. The pressure is off us and on God, and He can handle it perfectly. The more we put our faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, the more peace and deliverance we experience. We should not be trying to get God's favor, but rather live and function out of the favor He has already given us. Most comforting of all, we know that God will never allow us to be tested beyond what we are able to handle by His power. His grace is sufficient for us, and His power is made perfect in our weakness. That is why Paul said, For Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Thank you for choosing Christian Revelations. We hope you were just as blessed in receiving the message as we were in preparing and delivering it. As always, we will welcome you back again with open arms, open hearts, open minds, and open Bibles with your host, Pastor Robert. Blessings to you all.